What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll time. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it, Weekend Editions here at Hale Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal, and... Loaded up today, uh, plenty of Nebraska football to get into. What a week it has been with the landscape of college football, with the Big Ten's announcement earlier this week of a conference-only schedule. Bill Moose has some thoughts on that. He shared with the Journal Star. We'll get into that. The uh, absurd hot seat. Hot seat. <laughs> I don't even want to call it debate, but bombshell that was thrown out by Dennis Dodd. That was... Mildly entertaining, sort of, and uh, just kind of an outlook here of of what fall can be like. And join us this morning. Dial us up at 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. can find us on Twitter, Chris Schmidt, at Schmidt underscore radio, uh, at Mark Skurs for Mark Cranach, and at Herbal Essence for Elijah you can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Cranach, what is up? How are you? You know, doing okay, man. Just trying to, I don't know, convince myself that there actually will be football. Right? You sound right? down. You well, sound it's because down. it's like there's so much talk. You know, Pac-12's doing the same thing, right? Right, they made that announcement last night. I was getting there. They're going to do yeah. conference only and... Based on the, uh, the 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 Rona outbreak in in L.A., I mean, it sounds like SC and UCLA are like, bro, we're not we're not playing in September, at least early September. So they may push back their start date. Listen, we we talked with Coach Donardo this week, right after uh, Commissioner Warren's announcement. Uh, Mitch Sherman's going to be with us for the rewind in about thirty minutes from the Athletic. And it looks bleak. I I don't disagree that, all right, if you get rid of non-conference, what, what's the next step? If things don't improve, you just cancel the rest of it. And that sucks. And I don't want to go there. And it's hard not to think that way. But I, I kind of agree with what Coach DiNardo said about, hey, we have more control now. And that control by just focusing and, and drilling down and narrowing in on Okay, let's play ourselves. Let's get some divisional games knocked out. Let's try and just make it a, a conference-only situation with uh, being very respectful to travel and student-athlete health. Mm. Th- this is the next best thing, and let's let's see if it can happen. It's going to be up to all the Nebraska fans out there in the state of Nebraska. It's going to be up to the Michigan fans. It's going to be up to this country just overall with decision-making they want to make with how they go about their daily lives. This isn't bully pulpit or I'm looking down or I'm preaching. It just is, is a fact of life. What what personal responsibility are you going to take to help, A, keep keep this, this Rona off of your back, 
but keep it off uh, someone else's uh, immune system as well. I mean, that that's what it just comes down to uh, well, for life in general. But to, to narrow it, do we want to see some sports? And listen, if, if we see, you know, Major League Baseball and the NHL and the NBA navigate successfully, and I know there's still uh, a window and uh, a gap between when things get started there. But if, if the pro sports and pros different than college, clearly, but if they can navigate it, I think that may be a sign of, OK, what can we learn as a college football community from them? What can we learn from our friends at the Shrine Bowl today where you're going to have football played for the first time in forever with those kids, how they've been navigating and practicing and living uh, to get a game kicked off today at two o'clock out in Kearney. So there's still a, a chance for things to turn around and there's still a chance to put the brakes on this thing in a good way of, of spread. Now, if I'm a Michigan fan or Michigan state fan, or if I'm a Rutgers guy, man, I'm, I'm because of my States, I am absolutely fearful. But if I'm Ohio state, if I'm Nebraska, if I'm Iowa, if I'm Northwestern, if I'm even uh, happy Valley, I, I would hope that just because some may not be able to go, I hope that does not shut down everybody. I think some is better than none. Of course. And it's going to be modified no matter what. We've been saying, we've been talking about this since March or April. Yeah. Everything's fine until you go into the week. And then, and I'm just saying, you know, Barry Alvarez or Pat Fitzgerald or Frost gets it. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, it, just, it just changes the dynamic instantly. And I think we know that's going to happen. But it's just I, because of that, though, I, I think you're doing everything you can. I, I think it makes sense for the Big Ten to control the variables. Right. This is ultimately what they're trying to do is like, let's make sure we all are following the same protocols. And, it, and you know, of course, adapting for local conditions. But at least we're following the same rules. We have the same sort of testing rigor and all that stuff control all that it just it, you, you just eliminate some variables there and it gives you a better chance like you, you understand that. which by the way if you think that's a good idea that would be pretty cool if there was a national strategy overall <laughs> i'm not trying to be political i'm really not like that's not i'm just saying you see what happened right like if you if you think it's a good idea what the big Ten's doing let's go ahead and apply that to like i don't know the country but um that's a, that's a whole whole another story. Advice Here's, for life from Barry Alvarez. Well, I'm just saying, um, right, right, that's what it's about, right? It's just eliminate the variables. Like, there's enough go control what you can control. Here's the longer term thing that I think is happening here, though, especially as you hear about schools like Stanford and others that are maybe not as financially sound overall have a ton of sports, you know, there, there's obviously a bunch of schools that are cutting sports, blah, blah, blah. Longer term, I think this current situation benefits the blue bloods. So in a total football selfish way, you're the pretenders are not going to be able to withstand no football, no revenue, no whatever. Crazy budget cuts. They're going to have to cut back. It, right. As opposed to a Nebraska or an Ohio State, uh, Texas. Sure. 
right? Like those, to me, those schools are going to come out of this even stronger and sort of consolidate even more power than they've had. They can weather it and they can still be standing. They could still be standing, still invest. Mm-hmm. Look, I, you, you heard, you know, Bill Moose and in the Nebraska athletic department cut 10%. Some good folks lost their jobs in the athletic department. That sucks. Totally sucks. Um, it, <laughs> but that is sort of a, that was more of a preemptive thing than a, oh my God, we're not going to be able to survive this thing. It, right? It was more, more let's re- be fiscally responsible here. You know, let's not overspend when we don't have to. Let's take a hard look at our oper- operations. It's it's different than just to stay alive. You're just cutting left and right. Nebraska's not in that position. So I think I just think coming out of this, there are going to be so many schools and so many. Because, dude, this isn't going to end this fall. We're talking about this football season. But basketball's coming up, too. Basketball's going to be affected. So is baseball. <laughs> right? This is going to last. From the get-go, since March, what what is, what have the experts, like, take away your political leanings or whatever, but gen, all the health experts, basically, from the get-go, and, and they haven't changed it, have said minimum 18 months until we get a vaccine. Yeah, right? Like, have you heard anything different? No, that's, heard, that's the timeline. You've heard hope. You've heard some people be like, well, you know, maybe by this winter. Yeah, maybe. Maybe I'll learn how to dunk a basketball at five foot eight and age forty-two. Um, I'm thinking if you get a trampoline, you're good. But you know, I, right? It's unlikely. That's all I'm saying. So, like, this thing is going to last, and schools are going to continue to hemorrhage, and there are going to be games canceled at the very least. Can we agree on that? Like, maybe there will be an attempt at a season, mm-hmm. but I mean, do we really think there's just going to be like? 10 games going off without a hitch and no. then a championship game. Like, I mean, right? that, like, that would can be, you even imagine that? That'd be ideal. That's the hope right now. And that kind of shifts us into to some Bill Moose comments with the Journal Star. And Moose is optimistic there'll be a season. And Nebraska is supporting the league 10 game only schedule. But Moose is continuing to push for 12 games while protecting the division games and put those games in the middle of the season. So if you've got to knock off a couple games in the front or the back, you still can get your 10 in. Shoot for 12, realize that 10 can happen. What mm-hmm. What's that reality like? And, you know, it kind of comes down to, and I saw this from, from Vegas, the reconfigured win total projections if you go down to a 10 game season nebraska's at a four and a half game uh projection right now by those in vegas if you go down to a 10 game conference only yes four and a half's the over under so not not <laughs> not even 500 not even a 500 program is what they're saying and and that's, I, that's i'm not that's, mad that's, at it i'm just saying that's what they're well, saying that, that's my question here is if we do get conference only, you know, what's the season going to look like for Nebraska on in such a screwed up, screwed up year? You know, where's Nebraska at? I think this will be very, very telling 
and a monster dose of reality for some that are out there ticked off that Nebraska is not winning nine or ten games yet. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're well, talking. Look, hey, we're, we're talking. Yeah. We're talking this build up to getting back to being competitive, back to challenging for division crowns and beyond. And that does not happen overnight. That's been been, been told to us uh, since Coach Frost got here. It's been told to us before Coach Frost got. I mean, just just with all the turnover Nebraska's had the last fifteen years. But you know, just as a as a you know, as Nebraska, where do they fit in this food chain in the Big Ten from a com- competition standpoint? How how far yeah. away or how close is Nebraska if they get a ten game only? And we've we've seen the last two years of who they've beaten, who they haven't beat, and what's that gap between some of the the higher tier programs? That's what mm-hmm. I'm interested in. And Coach Frost from the get go has said. Just there's so much wear and tear in this league, and now that you're switching to a ten game only, I mean it is going to be uh, no weekends off, and it's not been that way, quite honestly, since you've made the move into the Big Ten. You know, mm-hmm. where's Nebraska at as a program to withstand that, compete, and actually win some games? So, there okay, there's a lot in there. It, yeah, and I'm gonna re- I'm gonna For relate this to thinking. what I'm gonna relate this to what Mac Brown was saying about his last years at Texas um, in some ways. So this is just kind of reminds me of it. He, he essentially paraphrasing came out and said, yeah, the reason why things didn't work out at Texas is they, they were just recruiting off a of video. They didn't go out and actually meet kids mm-hmm. and they were just kind of offering cause they had the pick of the litter. So they just offered all the five stars and they all accepted and blah, blah, blah. And he thinks that just led to a complacent team and they didn't necessarily have the right mental makeup. Well, if you look at what Nebraska and Frost have done in the last couple years, they are bringing in those self-starter types. Like, and I'm equating this to Texas because t- Texas had talent. We know that, but like their mental makeup wasn't right, and they weren't winning. Right, things were it was country club atmosphere or whatever. But they had big, fast dudes. <laughs> they they had athletes. They just they, didn't have grinders. They didn't have that. What what Frost has been steadily building is a team of self-starters that you don't have to tell to work out because they're just built differently. They, they're just you know what I mean? They just have that. They have that. They're Amir Abdullah types, Stanley mm-hmm. Morgan types, Frost himself types. You don't have to tell those guys to work out. Right. Like they're just going to do it no matter what. If your whole roster is like that. And increasingly, that's what the roster is becoming. When you're faced with a situation like this, the pandemic where you can't control everything and they're not in the building every day, and they've maybe, you know, your chances are better, (laughs) aren't they? I mean, I just, and then when you also look at how we've said this from the beginning too, whether or not the plan works is one thing, but this staff has a plan for everything. Everything. It's kind of diabolical. It's kind of weird <laughs> in some ways. They really, it doesn't matter what it is. There's a plan for it. Might not always work, but they don't leave hardly anything to chance. There's, there's a plan for how they eat, how they sleep, when they work out, why, when they practice, why, what they do at pre right? Like there's the, the recruiting territories, the, 
the positions, recruiting the position. Like they they just they think of everything. And I don't know. I have you heard much, Chris? I I don't know how a lot of the other Big Ten teams have been handling this. Like, is it similar to Nebraska where they brought everybody back? I think there was that opportunity. I I've really kind of just been focused in on Nebraska. Me I mean, too. Me I, too. I'm, all I know so, all I know is that. My read on this whole thing is I worry back to to Michigan for a second. I worry about Michigan being able to play ball right right now as we right. sit because of pandemic numbers, COVID numbers. And I think that's why Harbaugh was was so public this week about talking about the virus and sports is okay and I think I think, you know, government leaders in Michigan may shut their ability to play ball down. They period. Could. And and I think he's rightfully think so how fr- freaked about that. that. Well, it's not it's not it's not uniform. I mean, there's no cookie cutter. No. It's not the same for everybody uh, from a region standpoint. And look at you know I was driving in this morning and Marty and McGee had on Commissioner Sankey for the SEC, and he's very realistic about what's going on specifically in in his region. But the SEC, as well as the Big Twelve, right now. I mean, they are they are not declaring anything mm-hmm. compared to what the Pac-12 and the Big Ten have done with uh, just a ten-game schedule only. The SEC doesn't quite want to go there yet. They're monitoring things, so they're they're just they're just playing it by ear. They're waiting waiting and seeing. Versus the Big Ten's already taken a look and said we're going to be the first into the pool here, and we're gonna we're gonna try and and manage this and give us some flexibility. Give us a fourteen week window with ten games, and uh, let's let's try and shoot for that. Back to Moose, though, um, you know, if Nebraska would Nebraska be granted the ability to schedule more than than the ten games because hmm. that's what he wants. And does that mean we can bring a South Dakota State back to Lincoln? later in the year or you do get to that, that follow screws up the whole that now well uh, it's not going to happen right i mean that screws up the entire no they, they, the they want that the big 10 commissioner just announced they want 12 games is what is what nebraska is hoping for I get it but they also want the benefits of being in the big 10 conference could, sure could nebraska get notre dame notre dame's without a conference what are they going to do this year? they're, they're going to continue to date the acc i mean they'll play five yeah. ac they'll they'll, they'll, they'll play, play as many acc games as they need to they're gonna they're still doing their navy game as, but, as we speak so but i guess you know it only matters what what you do relative to your competition and if you just look across the landscape what is compared to everybody else what is nebraska's plan or position lacking in compared to everybody else it's hard to come up with something i i i honestly think nebraska is as well positioned if not more so than just about any program unless i'm missing something here like convince me otherwise no i think nationally i I think you're good i think they are Look, I'm serious, man. You look at the combination of things. Coach that has a plan for everything. A coach that has prioritized self-starters. <laughs> right? An, an AD, a president, a chancellor, a governor. UNMC. That is completely behind the football program. Did, right? Mm-hmm. A, a, strength, a strength coach that's 
you know, pretty well renowned. <laughs> um, I, there's just a lot, a, a conference that's stable, a budget that's very stable, does not rely on state funds in any way. It's all donors and Big Ten money. I'm just, you know what I'm saying? Like, where are they? Where is Nebraska lacking right now relative to everybody else? They're not. Uh, the, the the blueprint that I thought was pretty wow factor-ish was, you know, not only Nebraska's plan to, to, to bring kids back and then keep them in, in an area where they can be safe. But I look at Notre, what Notre Dame did. I mean, did you see this this week where Notre Dame's got a hotel, that's where everybody's staying, and they they had 252 COVID tests and with only one positive result. Think about that. Hmm. Think about guys following a certain lifestyle to keep themselves safe, so safe where it's just two people in an elevator. It's spaced out with the dining hall. I mean, it's all things you can control, but it's been executed. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a bunch yeah. of college kids that have executed it because their season's that important to them. And I think that message is is what you're saying about Nebraska. The season's that important to the head man and the kids he's recruited because of a like mindset. They're here to right. go to school and learn and be great citizens, but they're also here to go play ball. I mean, they want to they compete at a high level. They want to be a talented program again, and, and that's the difference. Are you getting guys that are not adhering to cautious decision-making? Or you, and listen, I don't mean to pile on LSU, but I mean, their, their spike in, in cases a couple of weeks ago is because a handful of dudes went to the bar. Cranach, you and I, when we were in college, we went to the bar a lot. <laughs> there was no pandemic. Yourself. <laughs> Speak for myself. Okay. <laughs> I went to the bar a lot when I was in college, but I bumped yeah. into you. <laughs> so my point is, is. You have you have certain programs that they're they're about business. They want to get to football season, and some programs and some kids within the programs just it it was more and it's okay. I mean, we're, we were all eighteen to twenty two. Uh, it was more important to go out versus stay in and stay safe. Right, and, and it depends on the makeup of your. Not to pile on Mike Riley, but you know, go back a few years. You look at the collection of personalities that he had did he collect some talent sure sure but like you saw the results there <laughs> not a not a ton of still self-starters in there there were some but not a team of them definitely not a team of them and a lot of those guys have left i just it's 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 weird it's like it's like the silver lining of this ridiculous super disruptive pandemic that the, coming out of it, it's gonna it's gonna be a changed college football world, and this year is just the transitional year. Like, how much stock can you put into this year, in any way, shape, or form? Right? Can, like, can you even get if, through it? Can you get through it? And can your program be in position to at least play? That's at least that's play, my take. Right. That's my takeaway from twenty twenty. Don't, don't and don't give me anything about championship games, playoffs, and like what you know. Come on. I just don't. How, how does that even? For instance, if you had to ask today, is Rutgers playing a full football season this year? I don't like, think Rutgers is going to play. Okay, right. 
Michigan, but, Michigan State, no, no, not really sure, I, right? But I, I, the Big Ten better not, they better not shut down the whole league because of two teams. No, of course not. But I, I'm just so whatever champion quote championship arises out of a conference season like that, it's just you, you just have to take it with a grain of salt. Well, you, you're gonna you're gonna get one because of of conference championship money. All right. Well, sure. Yeah, they will probably technically play one. But even if Nebraska, you know, say, say you know, they're playing it on a 10-game season, but because of outbreaks isolated in different areas, say you play seven. And say Nebraska is just one of those teams that ends up in, you know, an empty Indianapolis. With, <laughs> against, a, five, with a five and two league mark. Against, I, <laughs> if you can get to the championship game this year. Maryland. Or something. <laughs> if just, you get to you a know, champion, sort of like, okay. Cranach, if you get to a championship game this season, when it's just oh, conference geez. only, it, it's maybe even more difficult because of this BS pandemic. It could be, but I'm just saying you can't put. This is just a. I, I look at this as a develop. It's it's just like an extended fall camp. It's a developmental season. Fine. That, there's right because there's just so much going on around it. Like it's that's really what it's about. Just and, get better. And that's and that, yeah. And and you may not, you may not get the wins uh, that you want this year, but you'll get the experience maybe you need that'll help you in future seasons. And that's you know what I I I'd be interested. Or would is that how Nebraska fans will look at this season? No matter what the record what is. Well, dude, you're going to come out with a top twenty-five. <laughs> and then four of those top 25 are just going to have to shut down the season because of big outbreaks. Okay, so what does your ranking matter? What does any of it right? – you know what? In terms of just pecking order, you know, who's the top – Nebraska whatever, goes 9-1 and finishes in the top 10. Don't kid yourself. You're buying a T-shirt. It's, it'd be, well, of course. <laughs> hey, we're but back. But if there's only 13 teams left playing <laughs> – We're back. It's l- I, I know, yeah, we're back. <laughs> There's only like nine teams left in the whole country that's playing. Nebraska There's all these and South isolated Dakota State are the these... only two teams that managed through to get to a season. Nebraska went 2-0 and against them. There's Undefeated these... national champs. Physically isolated teams. It's Nebraska, <laughs> Iowa, Boise. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> Hey, made it to the college football playoff this year. High five. Top of the world. There's eight teams. Top of the world. Eight got in. Clemson and Alabama shut it down seven weeks ago. <laughs> they were scared, Cranach. <laughs> they didn't want none. Nebraska's year. Nebraska wanted Bama. Would uh, you hang a banner for that? That's what I'm saying. My like, you God, yes. Great assault. It's been so long. <laughs> yes. It's going in the Say garage. What if Nebraska? What if it's just like the at the end of the day, Nebraska and Colorado State are the only two teams left. Everybody else has shut it down. Putting my money on their big red. They play for the national title, and then do you hang? Yeah, 2020 on the Memorial Stadium next to you the have a Zoom. You have a Zoom national championship celebration party. We will hear from Mitch Sherman here, his reaction to the Big Ten in the Rewind coming up. Reminder about your friends at West Blue Realty. Are you moving in 2020? West Blue Realty can help do that. And they specialize in residential home sales in Lincoln and surrounding communities. And when you mention Hale Varsity for a limited time, can save you up to $1,000. 
on the closing of your next home purchase. Tom Luby. Tom's uh, just fantastic with folks at 402-540-3768. Kelly Hofschneider also can help you out. Kelly's a good dude. 402-202-2312 uh, for more details with West Blue Realty, westbluerealty.com. It pays to work with West Blue. They're located 1120 K Street, Suite 200. I was uh, on assignment yesterday. Elijah Herbal, Damon Barr caught up with Mitch Sherman. The rewind coming up as uh, Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. His thoughts on the Big Ten, Nebraska, and the week that's been. Hale Varsity continues weekend edition presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes, that's awesome. Back in, it's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's Elijah Herbal alongside Damon Barr as we're filling in for Chris today. Chris out on assignment, but back tomorrow morning, Saturday morning edition, 7 to 9. You're not going to miss that. Before that, though, got a show to finish today. Excited now to welcome in Mitch Sherman. He covers Nebraska for The Athletic. It's a great app. And Mitch actually had a great story from last night about the 10-game schedule. Before we get into that, Mitch, just want to say I'm used to talking to you on Tuesdays. feels a little weird to be talking to you on a Friday. How are you doing today, though? Yeah, you know, I'm delaying the start of my weekend for you guys, So, um, it's, uh, but it's good to be here. Well, Mitch, I appreciate that. You got any big plans for the weekend? Um, got some youth baseball, got some dinner with uh, friends tonight, um, going to stay out of the heat, maybe mow my yard, you know, pretty exciting. That's the best thing I've, I've heard. I mean, that's a great weekend. Sounds perfect. That's, that does sound good. I'm looking forward to it. Well, Mitch, let's talk a little football here. And, and the big news is yesterday's announcement from the Big Ten that they're going to be moving to a 10-game conference-only schedule. You wrote about it a little bit in a piece last night, but what, what was your first reaction whenever you heard the news? Well, when the news came out, I wasn't surprised. Um, you know, our reporters at The Athletic have been on this throughout the week. Um, if I go back to the beginning of the week when this started to look like it was going to be likely, um, I'd say at, at that point uh, yeah, it, t- it took me a, a little bit of getting used to to uh, you know for that to sink in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just wrote last week about South Dakota State and the measures that it, it planned to take to be able to be a safe opponent for Nebraska in September. I felt pretty confident after speaking to Justin Sell, the SDFU athletic director, that South Dakota State could have come to Lincoln and, and played in a game that was not any more dangerous for Nebraska or for anyone else than a Big Ten game, for instance. But in listening to some of the explanations, first the speculation early in the week and then the confirmation yesterday that this is the Big Ten decision, um, yeah, it, it, it makes some sense. The Big Ten has given itself a path to be able to have a season. I think that's the optimistic way to look at it. It's the way I'm choosing to look at it right now. This is, this is uh, the Big Ten taking action, putting something in the works, saying, you know, we think that this is the best way to go right now. It gives us the best chance to be able to play whatever it is, nine games, ten games. Uh, ten games seems most likely, but there's nine on the, on the schedule right now. Um, and there's also a way to look at it where you can say, all right, it's a slippery slope and the dominoes have started falling. And we saw the Ivy League cancel the season. Um, we've seen some individual games at lower levels canceled. We're hearing about junior college football um, being put off until spring. And here comes the Big Ten with the decision to cancel all of its non-conference. And it's only 
July 10th. It was July 9th yesterday. So, so where are we going from here? It, it, you know, you could make an argument that we're headed toward uh, more cancellations, and eventually it, it'll wipe the uh, the college football season right off the schedule. But, um, you know, I, I don't I don't take that that viewpoint of it uh, on this. Um, I, I think the Big Ten is doing what it needs to do to try to have the safest season and and uh, you know be realistic about the way that September, October, and November is going to look. Mitch, when we're looking at these non-conference teams that Nebraska is now no longer going to be playing, do we know what the financial implications are going to be for them just yet? I mean, I know Nebraska a couple years ago still paid out to Akron whenever uh, they canceled that game against Akron due to weather. Obviously, this is unforeseen and a bit of a natural disaster, I guess, if you will, uh, with a pandemic. Do, do we know, are those teams going to get their payouts? Well, with Akron, Nebraska reached a settlement and then scheduled the game in a future year. And you may see something similar uh, in, in these situations, or, you know, I'd say most likely in the case of Central Michigan, you may just see the game go away. Um, with South Dakota State, it's a, multi, uh, a multi-year uh, situation. Nebraska plays South Dakota State and Lincoln again in 2024 and again in 2028, so I uh, wouldn't be surprised to see a third game put back on the schedule. Um, as far as the, the immediate ramifications, I mean, that one's 515000 that Nebraska uh, would owe South Dakota State as far as the payout for that game. And there's a clause in that contract for liquidated damages, too, that would require Nebraska to, to pay South Dakota State a million dollars if, if the Huskers are the ones who, who canceled the game. So it remains to be seen um, how that shakes out. You know, some kind of a settlement will be reached. I would say similar to what we saw with Akron a couple years ago, where perhaps there's a game put on a future schedule between the teams. Um, and certainly if not, Nebraska is going to be on the hook for all or the majority of the, uh, the guarantee that, that it, it agreed to pay those teams. Um, with Cincinnati, there's a game at Cincinnati um, as part of this arrangement in 2025. So I would think that if Nebraska wants to keep that game intact, it's going to take whatever steps are necessary to find a spot to put Cincinnati back on the schedule in Lincoln in a future year so it can remain a home-and-home. And And if that's the case, then I don't know if you'll see uh, Cincinnati get the entire payout that uh, is in the the contract for this year. Um, It is interesting to note that there are um, several reasons listed um, for a a contract like these to be voided. Um, If there is for instance, a terrorist um, attack, if there is uh, government intervention, um, all kinds of stuff listed in the language of these contracts that would allow uh, Nebraska to get out without paying. Uh, a pandemic is not, is not in there. Uh, just like a, a lightning storm was not in there in the Akron contract two years ago, um, Nebraska doesn't have a leg to stand on here with the language in the contract if it wanted not to pay these three teams. But I, I, w- I would definitely expect with the way that Nebraska does business, there's going to be some kind of a settlement, some kind of a payment, and possibly a rescheduling of, of, of a future game with, with all or uh, at least two of these three teams. Mitch Sherman's with us. Uh, Mitch is a writer for The Athletic. And, and Mitch, whenever you're looking at this, the Big Ten was the one who, who kind of mandated that this is going to be a conference-only season. Could you see them paying out to schools to assist them in paying these non-conference schools for the cancellation of the games? You know, I don't. I don't really think so. I mean, the schools are the are the uh, are, are the the entities that that benefit from the Big Ten media payouts. Um, the Big Ten isn't necessarily getting rich itself off of the the TV contracts and ticket sales. I mean, certainly the Big Ten um, bank account is is in good shape. 
Um, but, uh, you know, I think it's going to be up to the schools in this situation. Um, you know, all the Big Ten is generally is, is a collection of the 14 schools that, that make it up. So it would seem unlikely that the conference office itself is going to be making payments to the, to, to the opponents um, who, who the league canceled on. Mitch, you mentioned a little bit earlier uh, that there are two ways to look at this, and one is the slippery slope down to no season, but the other one is, oh, this is a step in the right direction. We're going to have a season. We've, we've actually seen kind of both sides from leaders in the Big Ten. Bill Moose had an interview in the Journal Star earlier where he said he's hopeful for a season. Ronnie Green released a statement last night where he kind of echoed that and said, excited for a season, and hopefully it's a step in the right direction. But then you have Ohio State AD Gene Smith, who said he's now kind of worried about the season and Kevin Warren commissioner of the Big Ten kind of said the same thing so I mean does that concern you at all that even among the leadership there's kind of doubt whether or not there's going to be a season or not yeah I mean Nebraska can't have a season by itself um you know it takes it takes uh other opponents I don't think Nebraska is going to go rogue here and, and start scheduling out a conference when the league doesn't want it to or the league policy states otherwise um, Nebraska's best hope and, and essentially its only hope for a season right now is for things to work within the Big Ten. And that means that other schools are going to have to be in situations like Nebraska. I understand the optimism in Nebraska. I share it in that you look around and it's not uh, the, 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 the pandemic, the coronavirus uh, situation is not um, dire in the same way that it is in other states. Um, and mostly in the Big Ten, it's all right. But uh, Nebraska, even more so than like the state of Ohio, for instance, had 10 times as many deaths as the state of Nebraska or the state of Pennsylvania bordering Ohio, which has had two times as many deaths as Ohio. Um, I, I think, you know, you're going to find various opinions from various leaders throughout the league, and it's easy to be optimistic or it's a good choice to be optimistic in Nebraska, but you're going to have to have good outcomes and a good trajectory um, with the the progress in in staving off outbreaks uh, in places beyond the Nebraska borders in order for this thing to work out the way the Huskers want. Mitch, last thought on this topic, and that's Bill Moose's comments in the Journal Star. He actually said that he's pushing for a 12-game conference slate, and Scott Frost has said before that he thinks it would be Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of games to play to even add one more to the conference slate. Do you have any thoughts on what Bill Moose said, saying, hmm, 12 games could be an interesting option? Yeah, I mean, I think it's okay to push for as many as are possible. If you actually got to a situation where teams had to play 12 conference games, I think it's going to present it's going to present some real problems um, because of the physical toll that that would take. I understand that you know it's not a cakewalk to play South Dakota State, Central Michigan, and Cincinnati, but if you were to replace those three teams with Michigan, Michigan State, and Maryland or Indiana, um, it's not the same. It's it's going to take more of a toll on the players' bodies. It's going to be a difficult thing for a season for them to go through. Um, but I get Bill Moose's uh, motivation to try to get as many games on the schedule as possible um, and, and then probably knowing, or at least I would assume he, he expects, that you're really not going to play 12 games. There's an expectation, I think, among a lot of people in college football, probably in the NFL too, um, that – there are just going to be games that don't happen because there are outbreaks, mm-hmm. there are there are positive cases, and you can't play for that week. You've got to sit out for a week. So if you put 12 on the schedule, maybe you play 10. If you put 10 on the schedule, maybe you play 9 or 8. And I think a happy medium there and where it's probably going to end up is with 10 games on the conference schedule, and you hope you can get them all in. 
Well, Mitch, a lot of uncertainty whether there's going to be football in the fall, but we do know with certainty that there will be football played in Nebraska tomorrow. It's happening out in Kearney. It's the Shrine Bowl. And as far as I know, it's the first football game in America since this whole COVID break outbreak. Mm-hmm. So what precautions are they taking? Is there any sort of lessons that can be learned from what they're doing that maybe, I mean, I shouldn't say the Big Ten would adopt, but that we could even see high school football here in Nebraska in the fall? Yeah, I wrote earlier this week about the Shrine Bowl, and and it is the, the first organized football game. I mean, we're not counting seven-on-seven seven or spring scrimmages here, but um, a real football game in pads where they tackle in in the country since, I believe, the XFL season shut down in the second week of March. So significant. It's, uh, it's, a, <laughs> it's a meaningful game that's, that's taking place. And I, and I guess I wouldn't say it's 100% ready to go until they kick the ball off and play that game. I mean, who knows what's going to happen tomorrow morning when everybody wakes up in Kearney or tonight uh, in Kearney. But the closer they get to kickoff, the more likely it is that they made it through that week without problems and they're going to get that thing done, which is great to see. It shows that it can be done. I think it's a real positive step um, that people can look to, and it's good for high school football because the protocols and the procedures that were in place in Kearney this week, I think, are going to look a lot more like what we see on the high school fields this fall around the country and around the state of Nebraska than what we see in college. In college, in the Big Ten, where it has cut itself off from the rest of college football, you're going to have some pretty strict testing protocols. I think teams, players on teams, coaches associated with teams are going to get tested before every game, perhaps multiple times before every game. That's not what happened in Cardi this week. They went out there. The kids were monitored. They had their temperatures taken. But nobody was getting a coronavirus test while in Kearney unless they showed symptoms of the, of the, the, of the disease. So high school football is going to be more like that. Not to say that no one will test at the high school level, but just because of the cost of it and the logistics involved, I wouldn't expect it's going to be widespread. So if you can make it work this week, great. Um, I don't think it necessarily means that high school football is you know, without – it's, it's problems. Um, let's see what happens when all of these Shrine Bowl kids go home and go to their college campuses. You know, some of the Nebraska walk-ons in this game are reporting to Lincoln as soon as Sunday, and they're going to get tested when they get to Lincoln. So if they show up and they're positive, well, it shows that even if the Shrine Bowl went off as planned, it wasn't the success that you might have thought it was if some Nebraska walk-ons come in from Kearney and test positive for the virus. Mitch, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining Hale Varsity Radio, and uh, have a good weekend. All right. Thanks a lot. You too. Now back with Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Winding down this first hour weekend edition, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach. Elijah Herbal, get us on Twitter at Hale Varsity at ESPN Lincoln. At Mark Skurs for Mark Cranach. At Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And at Schmidt underscore radio. Cranach uh, will dive into with Brandon Vogel and Gary Sharp next hour. The, uh, the comments by Colin Cowherd and Dennis Dodd's article. Listen, did, did you see the snippet by, by Cowherd? Uh, yeah. And, yeah I, and, yep. and listen, I. Cowherd's one of the biggest Nebraska fans there is, okay? And when he first started on ESPN, he would he was so gracious to do, you know, affiliate hits. So 
he would jump on, and this is kind of the era when Nebraska played USC. Okay, we're thinking 06, 07. So it wasn't long after, before that that he kind of started doing his thing on, uh, on, on the airwaves of ESPN. And he was so good to come on and just talk college football with us. <laughs> and, and he's always been so respectful in Nebraska. And the, the, <laughs> the, the reaction to his take on where Nebraska's at as a program and the frost hot seat discussion. Like I, I was kind of outraged this week that, that you got a guy like Scott Frost going from a zero to a five. And listen, there's, there's a lot of folks who've come out and, and a bunch of people we talked to and uh, hold in high regard, know Dennis and respect Dennis. And Dennis has been out a few times, but Dennis has gotten so big time that he's not, super easy to get a hold of anymore Mm. and listen that was just that was that was that was a joke of a list with frost on there as as going from zero to win now or be fired i mean it was so yeah yeah yeah. so not understanding local nuance whatsoever and the point of it too is is like dodd is better than this right he he should be more plugged in to know even as a national guy, the reality of Nebraska. And as far as the the Nebraska job, it's always been a really, really tough job, in my opinion. Nebraska just got two great hires. Absolutely correct. And we'll see where Frost can go. But, uh, you know, Frost is is, uh, trying to do what he can. We'll wind down Hour 1. Brandon Vogel coming up next hour. Hail Varsity continues. The Hail Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Thanks for hanging out. Hour 2 weekend edition. Hail Bar City Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in the managing editor of Hale Varsity Magazine, HaleVarsity.com, and author with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion. We say hi to the man, Brandon Vogel, this morning at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. It's where you find Vogues, and you read him in his hot reads on HaleVarsity.com. Vogues, how was the Friday night? What uh, what'd you do? <laughs> um... The, nothing again for the twenty fourth consecutive Friday night. You're doing your part to make sure there's a season, right? I, I am. I'm, I'm. I'm pitching in. Uh, I did have have a nice dinner. Uh, had some uh, sockeye salmon, um, so, so that was nice. But other than that, that was uh, yeah, that was about it. Did you make the sockeye salmon? Did you prepare it yourself? I, I did prepare it myself. I didn't catch it myself, but uh, I prepared it myself. Would you how? how how'd you do it? Uh, just baked it with kind of like a soy, uh, soy ginger glaze. So nothing Ooh. too elaborate. Uh, but what is it? now when you decide to bake salmon inside the house? You're sort of committing to that smell <laughs> for the next. <laughs> like, is it gone yeah. yet, or is it still kind of there? <laughs> The the uh, the ventilation hood does does pretty well. Um, you know, it's it's it, it's faced down tougher challenges than salmon. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Oh. Well, 
Vogues, you are pitching in, like you say. You had the salmon. Uh, I'm sure it was fantastic as as far as salmon goes. You and Junior can can have all the salmon in the world. And uh, we'll invite my dad to that party, and you three can just salmon away. Uh, I want to get into some football here. And speaking with Swimming Upstream, uh, you had the, the bomb dropped by... Uh, the Big Ten about just conference only, and that's not ultra surprising. They were just the first into the pool to do it. Pac-12's following suit. Ivy League said, nope, we're good. Uh, we'll talk to you in the spring. The SEC and the Big 12 are uh, are waiting. First, with the, <laughs> the SEC's reaction, the Big 12's reaction, uh, they, they kind of said, what are you doing, Big Ten? You're, you're jumping the gun. Uh, and What's your read on that? What's your takeaway with some of the early response by Big 12 and SEC commissioners towards the Big 10 saying, you know, you're, you're, you're putting us in a corner here? <laughs> uh, it, it's the sort of response you make when your conference goes second. I mean, like, so it seems like the implication here is that the Big Ten went rogue, and hey, we thought we were all in this together, but I guess it's, uh, it's every every man for themselves. Which I mean, it is a little bit of a uh, indication that that's that's the case. But like, are, are we to believe that the ACC and the SEC and any conference was out here just being like, well, what's best for us isn't what we're going to do because we need to consider the other five four conferences who like we're kind of affiliated with, but really, I mean, like. It, it, it's just, it was a little bit of posturing to me. I also think, I think a big part of the reason this Big Ten announcement came out so quickly was that they wanted to signify, like, how serious the stakes were here. And you can put out mask, you know, videos with your coach urging people to wear masks, but it sure didn't, you know, none of those got the attention that lopping, you know, three games off of everyone's schedule did. So I, I do think that was part of it as well, to kind of set the stakes here, being like, hey, we've already canceled three non-conference games for every team, um, and we're hoping that'll be enough. I wonder how much of this, too, has to do with television contract because those things are sort of all out of the window now. You know, they're just going to have to be, um, and it all changes. I think maybe that was part of it, too, just – sort of be the first mover there to signal what your intentions are. It's power five versus power five. You're just guaranteeing that to all the networks. I mean, might even be a way to sort of, you know, capitalize as best you can. I, I would think so because as we, you know, as we, we look at kind of potential revenue sources, um, the TV money now it might change a little bit, but it seems like you know the part that you can relatively lock in. So um, if if the Big Ten's existing TV deal for 2020 was X, okay, maybe it's you know you got to adjust to Y based on well we didn't have a full inventory of games, but it's it's still kind of known going into it. Um, you know who knows if there's going to be attendance that seems less and less likely by the day. For, for college football games this fall. Um, but even if you could, say, open it up, um, who knows what you get? Um, everybody says, like, yeah, I'd love, I'll go watch some football, but when it comes right down to it and who knows what the circumstances are in October, like, you may be able to, you know, if, if a Nebraska home game is loose continually sites is worth $12 million, that's great. That's $12 million under perfect circumstances. 
And just being open doesn't mean you're going to get back to that. Brandon Vogel's with us. Vogel, uh, some thoughts here on Bill Moose's comments to the Journal Star that he's pushing for uh, 12 Big Ten games while protecting the division games and ideally putting those games in the middle of the season. So if they've got to shave off some games on the front end or the back end, they can do it. Um, 12 Big Ten games while also trying to keep a a balanced schedule look. So, I mean, we've pre-pandemic, we were excited, but also kind of weary of Nebraska's close to 2020, right? Their final five Big Ten games that can make or break you. But in the name of of schedule equity, um, can can you put together a a 12 game schedule in the Big Ten? I I don't think you're going to have some some Big Ten teams playing. But I hope that doesn't mean that you're not going to have Big Ten competition. I hope that they don't shut it all down because of a couple of programs. Um, what do you think here of a 12-game Big Ten schedule? Um, sure. I, I would like that too. <laughs> but it, 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 it feels a little bit like a, that train's already pulling out of the station. I mean, I don't like – so it hasn't officially been decided the, the number of games that the Big Ten's going to play. So – so maybe that's still on the table, but you know, we saw the before the official Big Ten announcement that they're going to conference only. We saw the report from Tom Deanhart about the ten games, um, and it just kind of made sense. It, it gives you more flexibility. Um, I mean, if if you're going to put twelve on the schedule and then be able to to cut at, at, at the starter towards the end. You might end up at 10 anyway, mm-hmm. uh, and I guess the advantage there is, okay, well, at least we're going to try to get to 12, but it just seems, it doesn't seem like where things are going, and, and maybe I'm wrong on that. I mean, Moose is the one having those those conversations, but it just it struck me a little bit as, as wishful thinking. I mean, I, I would love to have college football every Saturday year-round, but, but nobody seems to listen to you. To my my wants <laughs> on that. Um, so every, every, every spring and summer i have to sit around for seven months waiting for the sport to return you know this year is going to be what it is it's so difficult to predict you know how are they going to play a whole season it seems unlikely it it seems like it must be a week by week game by game situation because every community is going to be different um but when you look at a post-covid world do you see this because look, college the, the landscape of college athletics was changing anyways, and it seems like this just accelerates it. Um, do you see schools like Nebraska coming out of the uh, on the other end of this thing stronger, consolidating more power? Does the pandemic actually benefit the blue bloods in a post-pandemic world? I think it could. Um, they're obviously the ones who, who should be set up to, like, everyone's going to take a financial hit. And as we've seen, like, it's, it's serious everywhere. Um, you may look at Texas and be like, well, they have all the money in the world. Um, and they do have more money than anybody usually when those USA Today rankings come out every year. But as we've seen, like, college sports has been, well, we just, we essentially spend everything we bring in, and it gets a little bit more that we bring in every year. And we spend a little bit more, and it, it looks like basically a wash on paper every year because we're upgrading facilities, we're hiring another recruiting position, et cetera, et cetera. 
um, those those programs are, are probably best able to sustain some losses. It's, it's not quite as dire for them, although we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I think from a pure football standpoint, assuming we get, let's say, everyone's conference only. So you got 10 games. Um, maybe have college football playoff at the end of it because it's just four teams, but who knows on that. Um, I think it could have like a real zeroing effect for, and you, you look at a program like Texas, which is, you know, was supposed to be good last year, although that was a little bit of fool's gold. I actually like the way Texas is set up a lot better for this season, but for a team like that, that's trying to get back in it. And, and Nebraska is in that group as well. Um, although Nebraska is not as kind of far on that journey as Texas is at this moment, in, in my opinion. I wonder about that because, okay, so you can't really, like, take that huge jump. You can't go and, like, vault into – I guess you could vault into the college football playoff, but just with recruiting, I mean, I don't even know if there's going to be any official visits until the end of the year. Who knows on that? Like, it, it just disrupts the kind of natural cycle so much that I think there are teams, and it's hard to pinpoint which ones, that could have been on a pretty good path, and this disruption knocks them off of that. Um, Nebraska was still in sort of this middle ground where it, it was it was hard to say for sure they're going up or they're going down. They were just kind of like accumulating the things that I think they needed to make their push. So what's that mean for them? I, I don't know. Brendan, I want to stick on this this topic of looking ahead to a post-pandemic world because, I mean, that's where I want to be. But whenever you're looking at this season, everyone's – or it looks like everyone's moving towards a conference-only season, SEC, we're not sure yet. But could this be the season that finally gets the ball rolling on getting everyone to play nine conference games and get that uniform? Um, I, I would like to think so. I would like to think the kind of tearing up of the old way of college football out of necessity offers the chance to, um, to, to reassess some things. But I'm afraid that there'll be such a rush to just get back to the old way to like get whole again with a normal season. And because, you know, we were talking about this as with the, the non-conference cancellations for Nebraska, games are scheduled. I mean, Nebraska has a game scheduled for 2035. Um, their first opening is, is 2024. So, like, even if you're like, hey, South Dakota State, we're going to make this up to you. Like, it's going to be years down the road. And <laughs> You would. It's it's not that hard to kind of like cancel out those contracts um, if you were to tell the SEC and the ACC, hey, drop one of those non-conference games you've got scheduled in 2027 because you're playing another conference spell. But I just worry that like the, the college football is going to take a hard look at itself now because it has to. Um, but uh, once we get to a post-pandemic world. It's going to be like, okay, now we need to get back to this. We're going to give Tennessee Martin $1.8 million and just take that win because that's the way it's always worked, and we just need to go back to that. So there's an opportunity here for college football to to have a little bit of a, a reckoning, I think, but I'm less than confident in its uh, ability or desire to actually engage with that. Vogues, uh, I want to get your thoughts with this 10-game schedule. That's going to get worked out, and – you have your division opponents and you have your crossover games set up. So you're going to need to add one more crossover. Who would you draft? Who do you want? And give me, give me your top two choices 
just let's just say Rutgers and the Jersey Shore and Snooky and everybody uh, don't see their pandemic numbers shrink. Um, well, so it, if, if they were to keep the existing schedule they have, then Nebraska's looking to add one team. Uh, my, my top choice just out of, Hey, let's, let's see a, let's see a good team and a good, uh, you know, kind of historic team. Uh, Michigan is the team that's currently not on Nebraska's schedule that I'd take. Um, the better measuring stick for Nebraska right now is probably, probably Indiana, and, and I could get behind running that one back, considering there's a little uh, post-game bad blood there. Um, <laughs> Just a so, touch. So that one, you know, that might be a, a more uh, one-to-one comparison. So, so I think those are those would be my top two, um, given the choice. Okay. Brandon Vogel is with us on, on Hale Varsity Radio. Hi. It seems like Nebraska has been handling this as well as you could. It seems like Nebraska's got most of their players back. You know, and we've talked about this at length before, but whether or not the plan works is one thing, but we know Nebraska is diabolical about plans, period. There's a plan for everything, for sure. They don't leave a lot to chance here. What's your read on some of the other Big Ten teams? Um, are are all of them kind of in a similar situation where most of the kids are back or uh, is Nebraska maybe ahead of the game there? I, I think Nebraska might still be a little bit ahead, but at this point um, from kind of the, the perusing and reading that I, I do on a day-to-day basis, just kind of checking in with conference teams, it, it seems like most schools have the majority of their players. Um, you know, there's, there's a handful of stragglers everywhere. Um, and really it's kind of – I haven't seen a lot of in-depth stories on here's how Purdue is, is, is handling this, but you know, it's the same kind of general setup. I think in the summer right now, without uh, the, the rest of the student body on campus, you're really able to kind of isolate these, these athletes, whether it be football or any of the other fall sports um, and, and spread them out in existing campus housing. So regular temperature checks, all that stuff. So it, it seems to be, to be pretty standard for now. Um, it's going to get interesting in the fall, though, as, as all of these schools kind of have are, are left on their own to decide what they're going to do with the student body in general, how many people are going to be around, and, and what you do there. Um, that's where things will get a little bit interesting. But I, I think Nebraska Nebraska certainly got the majority of its guys back, I think, earlier than almost any other school in the Big Ten. Vogues, will get you out of here on this question Coach Frost, has voiced concerns about the rigors of a conference-only schedule, how physically demanding it is to, to, to play in the Big Ten. There's no, there's no gimmies uh, in this league, and we have seen it as we have uh, now been in this league a decade. Where do you think the program is at when it comes to being able to compete week to week? Are they Are they – further along to withstand the grind or will it show itself this season if we get football that nebraska still has uh quite a few steps to go not just to to compete and beat a wisconsin or iowa but not lose to the air quote teams nebraska is supposed to beat yeah um i think nebraska is, is better off than it was um 
two years ago for sure. But really, in, in my opinion, you can look at this. Nebraska's a decade into the Big Ten, and I don't know that it's ever kind of fully gotten to the point where the depth was where it needed to be to kind of be a major player in, in the Big Ten, to be in Wisconsin, to be in Ohio State, to be the team that, like, that's the favorite, and, yep, they're going to hold up and do it. Um, so that's been a hill Nebraska's been trying to climb. And, it, you know, it's gotten close uh, a couple of times. Coaching changes then, you kind of fall back a little bit, and, and who knows, you know, you switch systems, you switch schemes, and that, that complicates things. Um, I think Coach Ross and his staff are building back towards that. Um, I probably have more confidence in Nebraska's ability to eventually get there now than I have at any point since they, they joined the Big Ten. But I don't think they're there yet. And I think you would see that over the course of a 10-game conference schedule that Nebraska's depth better than it was in 2017, better than 2018, uh, but it's still not quite classically Big Ten. Vogues, have a great weekend. Eat some more salmon, all right? And uh, we will get caught up with you next week. Thanks for a few minutes today. Thanks a lot, guys. There he is. Hi, friend. I'd love to see Vogues kind of do like a a, a video presentation, like Vogues' kitchen or something, where we see him. I know he said he didn't catch the salmon, but see him uh, getting the old frying pan ready. He's, I mean, he's a pretty diverse. He understands food on a deeper level than he's most. awesome at it. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would watch that, especially now. Yeah, there's nothing else to watch. You need a catchy name though for the, like, the title. Uh, mm. Cooking mm. with Vogues is too like that's too basic. Well, how about Vogues's Dungeon? That sounds just <laughs> not not what the type of content I want to see <laughs> on Facebook. <laughs> Picturing some of the logo options there. <laughs> yeah. A leather apron. Oh. <laughs> Gag ball, stop! Oh. Yeah, let's go to break. Yeah. <laughs> the Iron Horse is coming up. It's Gary Sharp shortly. Hail Varsity continues, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Glad to have you back. Yes, sir. You heard me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. Gonna bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're gonna bring us two more. Then two more after that, every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. Back with you to Hale Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt. Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal, we say hi to the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp. Sharpie, how's your week? What's up, man? Uh, you know what? I, I, this week felt like last week. That felt like the week before. But other than that, doing well. Good to talk to you guys. It's good to spend a few minutes. Uh, we'll get into some college football, some Nebraska, some Big Ten. You're as big of a Chiefs fan as I know. Um, how many rooms does Mahomes need to dedicate to, uh, to funds? Uh, what a haul by your guy. Well, a billion, half a billion dollars. A guy signed for a half a billion dollars. Uh, and I never thought it would be, first of all, a guy that would be the highest paid in North American sports in Kansas City and let alone be in, in the NFL. But, and I mean, the, the, the Chiefs have guessed right on Mahomes the whole way, and he's worked out, and he's worth it. And, and he's one of those rare athletes that get paid a lot of money that, you know, more people are like, well, that guy's worth it then. Oh, my God, I can't believe they paid $503 million. Uh, so I expect him to, you know, it's 
on to the, the uh, contract he has now. So that's 12 years. I expect him to win 13 Super Bowls in 12 years. <laughs> he should. You're hoping. He should. <laughs> and, and, you know, and it's, it's easy to, to kind of date yourself with this, but I, I mean, I recall when Kirby Puckett, wasn't Kirby Puckett the first $2 million athlete, or am I misremembering that? You might you know, be I, on. I, I, I think you're on to something. And I talked about this on my show earlier this week. There used to be a time where if an athlete, we used to know, like for verbatim, who the highest paid athletes are. Um, and we kind of, I, I mean, I can't do that now. Um, no. But we used to also, you also hear, used to hear outrage about athletes making so much money. Oh, my God, how come they're making so much money? But we never got upset at Tom Cruise making $75 million for a bad movie or Elton <laughs> John making $100 million over a year. We always got upset at athletes. Now, I very rarely hear people go, gosh, I can't believe they're paying Matt Ryan $44 million a year. Unless you are a Falcons fan, you're like, why would we pay our quarterback that? But it kind of it kind of changed. But it is it is jaw dropping. Um, I knew he was going to be you know the highest paid in the NFL, but half a billion dollars that's that's crazy. But that shows a commitment. And, you know, I mean, by the end of the contract, it probably won't be ten years, five hundred three million. But most importantly, like for Chiefs fans like myself, it's a commitment to keep the guy there, and he wants to be there. And he did a contract that I think is a win win for both sides. So it allows them to build the roster and continue to be able to search for championships. I mean, you don't tweet out that we're chasing a dynasty and then all of a sudden say, I'm taking all the money. It's just on me. Jerry Sharp is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. A lot happened this week. Of course, the uh-huh. Big Ten announcing that it's going to be only Big Ten games. Pac-12 followed suit last night. I'm imagining the SEC will make some sort of announcement within the next week as to whether or not they'll continue playing Georgia State or if they'll go all-conference. Um, <laughs> but regardless, reg- look, gonna, there's going to be some games played, right, Gary? Would you agree with that? Like, yeah, there, There's going to be an attempt. But what, is there going to be, like, conference championship games or playoffs, or is it – or do you just sort of look at this year as like take what you can get, consider it like a developmental season? Like how do you even approach it? Well, there's a lot in there, Mark, as you guys have already discussed. Um, first of all, no con- uh, conference football is better than no football. And I do believe, I still believe that they will make an attempt to play. There's just financially there's too much on the line. I feel dirty saying that because you have student-athletes that are in college that are not paid, that are – going out there and risking it. But the majority of them would say it's worth the risk because I'm here to compete and I want to play. Um, but the financial ramifications, if you don't have any sort of football this fall, will will devastate um, some communities. They will devastate some programs. Um, so I think we're going to have football. Uh, we've talked about this for a couple of weeks now, in my mind, thinking make it an all-in-the-family schedule where you can control stuff that you can't control. I mean, you've got a virus that is in control but if you can pick up some control, it is, okay, we're just going to play a conference schedule. We've got all of our people in the same bubble. They're doing the same kind of testing. We can control that. Um, I'm looking forward to the debates this year of, hey, Connor Conference is better than your conference. I mean, we all can't wait uh, for that. I think the most important for, thing for conferences is they've got to crown champion. They want to crown a champion because that conference championship game on television is a big financial part of their TV contracts. So that's the most important thing. I could see non-essential bowls not being played this year. I don't really care about the college football playoff and that discussion and how that's going to work because the team that I follow and the team I root for isn't going to be involved, and it really only affects about 15 programs. 
I think the most important thing is getting off the ground and getting the season started, and then it is week by week. But I know that we're all fascinated to see what the schedule is going to look like when it comes out, if it's you know, 10 games over 14 weeks, if it's your division opponents plus four from the other side, is it four teams you play home at home, the other two teams you play in your division, how all of that's going to look. But, you know, it, it just keeps adding to the point that all of us have talked about for, for a couple of months on the show is in college football there is no central brain. And the Big Ten going first, even though it may trickle down where everybody else does the same thing, I think that was a bad look yesterday or the day before. I, I think the communication broke down somewhere along the line, and it just shows you how chaotic college football is where it's all for one and one for all. It is, and the Big Ten really surprised some of their Power Five brethren. That's kind of the 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 blowback from it. But the Big Ten is very, very conscious of their perception. Yeah, we play football. Yeah, we print money. But we are uh, a collection of uh, academic institutions. They are very concerned about the look. And they there's a lot of folks in the Big Ten, uh, the chancellors and presidents, that uh, they kind of look at their peer group as the Ivy League versus the, the academic side versus the athletic side. So well, they, they wanted, they wanted to, to, to be able to, I, I think, shout out that, yeah, we, we care about our student athletes, and it's not just about ball. So we're gonna we're gonna make our statement here first. Well, let me let me, let me a lot of that is correct. Let me let me add something to this. Sure. this is a discussion I had uh, a texting conversation with an athletic director in the SEC yesterday, and he said he didn't have a problem with what the Big Ten did, but their communication was that everybody was going to go about the same time to kind of make a uniform decision, but they were going to wait a little bit. This is also an athletic director that is very upset at his part of the country because that's the part of the country that is failing right now and controlling this virus. He's upset at the people in his state and the people in his region of the country. He's also upset because he thinks everybody came back way too soon. They reopened their campuses. Um, and he's more or less talking about the southern region of the country, not like in the Big Ten or the Pac-12. He's saying we came back too soon, but we have not had a lot of organization on what we're going to do, and that's got to change. And I asked him what's going to happen in the SEC, and he said, we're going to wait. We're going to wait a little bit longer. He goes, but I'm disappointed that we couldn't get all of this together. And he thinks the Big Ten, like I do, went because it had been out there for a while that a lot of people had been talking about it, and they wanted to get out in front of it before some the media broke it. But I ask you guys this. If Jim Delaney was still the commissioner, would this have happened? You have a brand-new commissioner who I think highly of, who I think is, is more in tune with the student-athlete than maybe Delaney was looking at the financials. Mm-hmm. You have a young commissioner, he's seven months in, he goes quick on this, and it really upsets not only fellow Power Five commissioners, but also he didn't alert the teams that were going to all of a sudden lose a game. All it took was some communication, we're all under understanding here of what's going on. Um, Then you have Bill Moose saying, well, we might have 12 games. You can't make a decision like that and then have one of your athletic directors or one of your prominent universities in your league kind of speak out of turn. So they gotta. There's this is this is really confusing. It's a thoughtful thing to do. It shows where the Big Ten's priorities are. I have no problem with it. But when you roll this out, man, you only have one time to make it work. You can't have somebody going. Well, we're going to look at playing maybe twelve games. Yeah. When your commissioner was strong and said, "Hey, we're going to try and play ten, and we might not even be able to play." I think under Jim Delaney would have been a little bit different. This is just a learning thing for Kevin Warren. But hey, 
no commissioner in college football has had to had to look everybody in the eye. Okay, we're in the middle of a pandemic. How are we going to play? Yeah, no, it's obviously an impossible situation. It, now, Gary, you have a really unique perspective here because you have been affiliated and are affiliated with the the gamut of what makes up college sports. Everything from Nebraska Big Ten to you know Atlantic Sun with Florida Gulf Coast, Nebraska Omaha, and the Summit. You know, Gulf Coast is a primarily a basketball school. Uh, Nebraska Omaha is primarily a hockey school with some hoops, and then you got Nebraska, which is football, and then Creighton. Big East, that's obviously basketball. What is the impact overall across the board to that really wide range of schools? Is the pandemic going to ultimately benefit the Nebraskas and crush the Florida Gulf Coast of the world? Or how how do you see it playing out post-pandemic? Let's start at the bottom. Um, And that's that's a great question, Mark, because I'm worried about Omaha. Um, you know, their, their financials come in from hockey and they come in from the four or five by games that men's basketball travels around the country in November and December playing hockey is kind of unknown right now. We don't know what's going to happen there. The Ivy league shutting down kind of affects the ECAC, uh, one of the division one conferences in hockey. So Omaha doesn't know what they're going to do. And you don't know how many people are going to be there. And that's a big financial driver. We don't know about college basketball, even though it doesn't begin until November 10th. You know, there's if, if you're not if you're only playing conference only games, that means that if you're in a if you're not in a you know you're a conference only, you're probably not going to play until after January 1. So there goes four hundred thousand dollars plus possibly that men's basketball would bring in to keep some other sports alive. Hey, if Stanford can drop eleven sports, even if those eleven sports are squash and lightweight rowing. It's still 240 student-athletes, 22 coaches, and if Stanford could do it, a lot of other schools will do it. But it also says this. It's going to make a lot of Nebraska's and Ohio State's, Texas's, and Stanford's out there look at their athletic department and go, do we really need this many sports? Are we bloated? You've already seen a lot of athletic departments, nearly all, have kind of had to go through their staffing, and some people have, have been laid off um, or are never going to come back and work there. It's going to force people to look at their whole bottom line and kind of shore up things during this pandemic. I think also it will make us look at conference affiliation in this country where we go, do we really need to have a conference where we're spread over three time zones? Maybe we get back to more regionalized. Because we always say this, why is Nebraska soccer going to play at Maryland? Why are they going to play at Rutgers? Mm. You know, I think we might that might turn here in the next five to ten years after we get through this of – do we need to get back to more regionalized? But it, right now it's all up in the air. It's just one bad headline after another. We need some good news. And right now we've got a lot of confusion because not only are conferences saying we're going to a conference schedule only, remember Monday is when more football activities, organized football activities are going to start to take place. And then you're less than a month from a camp opening up, and you don't even know when your season's going to start. So – there's just, it's one thing after another, and, and if I, I, just, I just want us to get started and see where it goes from there. But this whole thing about bringing sports back is a house of cards, and it's just day by day, hour by hour, and we kind of cross our fingers with some nervous excitement that we can pull this off. But as we've seen, guys, college football, pulling it off is going to be a monumental task just because there's so many moving parts, and we haven't even gotten to the part of campuses reopening where you introduce thousands and thousands of students to your football team or your other student-athletes that have been on campus for a couple of months. 
Sharpie, uh, a thought here with campuses presumably reopening because you need on uh, campus participation. You need classes where students are physically there to justify having uh, a college football season. No, no kids, no, no football. If you're Nebraska or other members of the Big Ten, can you try and pull off a distance learning request? And, and this, uh, listen, I mean, health and safety is important, and I mean that. But if, if we're trying to get a football season, would it be best to kind of look at what Notre Dame's done, right, and, and kind of have their own little bubble? And I know Nebraska's been cautious with that. But let's, let's get to, all right, school starts, and it starts online first, and then it'll move towards uh, lectures and, and, and that type of situation, presumably. If you're Nebraska, can you say, guys, just figure out how to go online uh, in the name of health and safety? Uh, great. Here's the rest of the population. Then here's the athletic population. Let's keep it separate to keep it safe. Can you do that? Well, I think it's important to, to try and, and – and we're still kind of in a wait-and-see mode in this country. You know, in, in Nebraska, we're a little bit different, even though they, you know, they turned the knob up um, towards danger mm-hmm. in Lincoln – for the first time in a long time. But for the most part, we're doing a good job in Nebraska. Um, I think it's important, again, for the welfare to open schools safely, if you can do that, especially a college campus, because, you know, you need that tuition. The communities need that influx of money. I think kids need to get back to to being around each other. Um, Everybody's got their requirements. When it comes to athletes, I wouldn't if I was if I was a football coach, I wouldn't allow my football players to do any in-person learning this semester. I would make sure that they do all online. Now we're seeing that more and more. Justin Fields never went on campus at Columbus in his first semester. I mean, everything was online. Um, that's what I would I, I would advise. The other thing is when we were all in Lincoln. Remember when the athletes' dorm was Harper Shram Smith? Boy, yes. you and, and then and then they outlawed that. If you had an athletes-only dorm right now, that would be ideal. But there are, there, nobody has that anymore. I know a couple of colleges, they have um, they've taken over hotels Notre where Dame. they're housing yeah. their players. I mean, that would be the way to do it, but that's what it makes it even more difficult in college sports because you can't, for the most part, create a bubble. But I think you'll do as much as possible to keep your kids protected um, but not isolated where they just go crazy and the only people they're around are football people. Gary, what about you're connected to the high school football community? <laughs> How's that going to play out? Can you go ahead and get that well, crystal ball? Like what? At least you got the shrine, is, shrine ball today. Well, you know? today I, but, what, but what is some of the talk there? Is, I mean, fans in the so stands, is there going to be a season? What? So let me give you a couple of scenarios. And it's, you got to, that's one thing I think in Nebraska we can control. Like, you've already seen New Mexico is going to play football in the spring. Texas high school football right now, guys, is in trouble. And that would be devastating to that state, and it would really shake up the college level in terms of recruiting. But in Nebraska, today's an important day to see how they've done the Shrine Bowl. Dave McDonald, the executive director, they've done everything. They've, they've uh, turned over every stone to make sure that they can keep their kids safe and that they can still give them an opportunity to play football. And that's going to go off today, and a lot of people around the country are going to watch to see, okay, I want to watch the football, but then I'm going to wait two to three weeks to see if there's anything that happened post-Shrine Bowl. 
Here's what they're thinking in Nebraska. Right now, they are status quo. They are moving ahead that when schools open, you'll have athletic activities going on right now. If you, Whatever you were doing last July 1, kids right now are doing the same exact thing. Here in Omaha, the OPS schools, they've got, they've got the weight rooms open. They've got the workouts going. The plan is to have a regular season that would start on August 27th, as of right now. There's also the scenario of maybe you just play six games you move the season up a little bit, um, and you finish a little bit earlier. But I think for everybody, getting the season started is the plan right now. Now, how many people are going to be in the stands? I think that is left up to local and state. But keep in mind, a lot of high schools, their athletic budget is big off of concessions and admissions. And so that also plays into these woes that we're having. But I think right now, it's fall sports is going to happen in Nebraska until there's a major hiccup. But we're all kind of in that wait-and-see mode, whether it be at high school or college. Okay, let's see what happens over the next two, three weeks. Let's get to August 1, and then let's see where we're at in our state and our country August 1 to decide how we move forward. Gary, obviously football rules the headlines because football is king in America, but there's a lot of other fall sports that have been affected by the Big Ten's decision and and even down to high school levels, including volleyball, uh, you got soccer. I'm sure that is uh, is affected, especially at the college level. Um, we talked a little about hockey and UNO, but how does this affect the other fall sports? I mean, obviously with the conference only schedule, uh, you kind of know that they're going to be playing conference only. But when you look at Nebraska volleyball, uh, a big part of their schedule is non-conference, especially early in the season. Yeah, it's too bad because John Cook always puts together some really, really big non-conference matchups that are some of the biggest in that sport. And this year, Stanford and Creighton, uh, you know, gets knocked off the board. Now, if you're in the Big Ten and you're going to a conference-only schedule, I mean, that's, that's difficult enough. Uh, and, you know, and John alluded to it a couple of months ago that that was the way things were trending. I know he's disappointed that he can't play those non-conference matchups, um, but he's a guy that has his team focused, and their focus is getting to Omaha in the Final Four. I, I think that's, that's the next step is, you know, the Final Four for volleyball isn't until the middle of December uh, can we get to that point? It's just, it's unfortunate. I think, you know, some people are upset that the, a couple of non-conference games got knocked off, but let's all be honest. It's one year. Let's hope it's just one year. We can all live with 10 conference games for one year. And you know what? It may be, if we can play 10 conference games, fantastic. It may increase the interest because then it's just regionalized and it's just you and you focus on yourself, and who knows where that goes. But first and foremost, guys, we've, we've been doing this now for 16 weeks in, 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 in shutdown radio. Just got to get off the ground and then hope that the plane stays up in the air and we don't have to come back down to the ground. Gary Sharp with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Sharpie, have a great weekend. Always love chatting with you. Thanks so much for a few minutes, and we'll get caught up again, man. Be safe. Hey, thanks, guys. Enjoyable show today. Take care, man. Appreciate you. Good to hear from him. Great stuff uh, from Sharpie, and uh, appreciate that. Podcast will be up. Elijah will get that posted. iTunes is where you can find Hale Varsity. Also, HaleVarsity.com. And uh, for uh, the week's uh, worth of interviews, can get to the on-demand portion, uh, ESPNLincoln.com. And the on-demand, check out some of the, the, the chats we've had with Mitch Sherman, uh, of course, uh, Mitch Holtis, um, Eric Warfield was with us this week uh, in reaction to the Mahomes deal and uh, Coach DiNardo from the Big Ten Network, his reaction to the Big Ten announcement. Uh, quick timeout, and we'll wind down a Saturday next on Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. 
to Rise with Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Here's Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. One final time, and uh, Monday back at you at 4 with Hale Varsity. So, Cranach, weekend plans. What do you got coming up the rest of the uh, the weekend, dude? Oh, it's, it's the debut of uh, my boy's baseball career. All right. Uh, you like his old today, man? Doubleheader tomorrow. Getting on it, man. What's uh, what's he it. like playing? Um, well, I, I don't know. We'll have to see how it goes. He he's a lefty. Mm. He can stroke it a little bit. I bet, man. And he's, you were uh, you were a pretty good center fielder back in the day, weren't you? I mean, you know, I they retired my jersey. Did they really? They did not. They did not. Oh. No. Um, <laughs> Keep lying to me. I mean, tell me, tell me, there's a statue up too at uh, at Bell West. Yeah, no. Yeah, you've been there. <laughs> there is no, there is no. There's relic no memory that I ever... at all of one Mark Cranax attendance. There's no proof anywhere. There's that nothing there. of me at Southeast either, and they're smarter yeah. for it. That's all right, Mark. That's all right, Mark. Have you been working on your your heckling game for the umpires? I mean, that's that's the main key. Careful now, because you're talking to an umpire, Cranax. Oh, oh yeah. Well, I mean, they're they're totally against my kid. Oh, for sure. Obviously. Yeah. And they're really and so I against need to let you. Them know. <laughs> I mean, I'll just say, like, I, I respect the fans that come with some unique heckles. Like, and that's part of the game. I, I feel like fans show up to games expecting to heckle the umpires. So if you come with something creative, like, what's the worst thing he's going to do? Toss you from the field? Elijah, do you, do you yeah. just, like, hate parents or do you not like the kids? Um, or is it a combo? I'm kidding. Of course, you're a, you're a, you do a pretty good job. You've umpired a couple of Carson's games and you do a, you do you a pretty good job. behind the plate? Yeah, he's behind the plate, man. Nice. That's my diamond. I mean, let me say, behind behind the plate's the easy job. Let's hear your punch out. On on air? No, nah, I'll, yeah. I'll overload the mic. It's too loud. <laughs> Do you really get after it? Do you dig deep on it? Oh, you got to get after it. It's a show. The, the fans are like, expecting to see a show. <laughs> Look at that mentality. The fans aren't there to see the players. They're there to see me. They're, see the, they're there to see me. That's a total umpire <laughs> take, Elijah. Doing like a Frank Drebin thing? Yeah, he's, just... he's spinning the round and... You've oh, seen Naked Gun, I hope, Elijah. Oh yeah, okay. oh for sure. Right. So I did, I did rec league softball umpiring in college. Dear God, maybe five games, then I just quit. I was just like, nope. Were you asked I'm to good. leave, or did you quit? <laughs> no, I just I, after like the fifth game, I was like, I'm no, I'm good. Like this is, I just don't need, I don't need this no, see, <laughs> in my life. Low like, level, it's just horrible baseball and all that. It, it gets old. I got moved up to high school this year and got to do some some oh, high wow. school games umpiring. It's been so much more fun. Well, you just, Elijah's rocking a little facial hair. Just keep the stash. Yeah, I, I got to make sure everyone knows the coaches that I'm, I'm older than how old I actually am so they respect me. Yeah. You just work the mustache. It maybe look a little creepy, but it's intimidating for sure. We'll talk to you on Monday. Guys, have a good weekend. Thanks for tuning in to Hale Varsity.